How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. A quick update. Um, there's nothing new on the DeMar Hamlin front. Um, still in critical condition. Still in an ICU. Still keeping an eye on things. We are, and I'm sure you know other people in sports media keeping an eye on that. The update on his charity crossed the seven million dollar threshold early this morning up to seven million bucks on his uh his foundation's community toy drive i would i would i, th- I feel pretty confident this is the most money that a community toy drive has ever raised seven million dollars yeah. yeah depending on well i don't there might be um i don't yeah i'm sure maybe some other new york city or something like yeah that. where institutions were involved or yeah the firefighters are raising money across the city yeah um for this little, for a toy drive that started out with a goal of twenty five hundred dollars, correct? Yes, I would totally agree with you. The, this has definitely surpassed expectations. Yep, yep. Um, all right, so the um, boy, we're getting a lot of texts on draft stuff. We'll get to the trailer wheel and frame text page in just a little bit. Um, the uh, this time next week, we could be talking about a new head coach for the Houston Texans. I think that's safe to say, right? Seth? Yeah, yeah. And I think there's a good chance that Lovey Smith maybe anticipated that when he even took the job. Sure. Sure. If Lovey, look, Lovey Smith's no idiot by any stretch of the imagination, and he's been around the block when it comes to the way things work. He knew, he knew the weird circumstances under which he was being hired. Yeah, and I think he probably, I would think he probably thought, yeah, okay, if you know, if we if we do some things right and we can make some progress, there's a chance that that I can have a shot here. But I. I'd be really surprised if he didn't also know that it might just be a lost cause. Yes. So uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to be callous about it or anything, but I don't think this is. If he gets fired, I don't think it's going to be like out of left field for him. I would, no. That's just and that's just completely me guessing based on the circumstances and situation. And he is a he is a maniacally positive person, but I don't think he's delusional. You know, like is he maniacally positive? I think he's. I think he tries to be positive about his team. I think he does try to at least outwardly look at glass half full. Let's talk yeah. about the positive. Let's talk. He's always trying to steer it to the positive in these damn press conferences. Now, his demeanor is not always a positive demeanor, but right. as far as the topic of his team, hell yes, I think he is. I mean, he was talking about Davis Mills like he was Joe Montana in the preseason. Yeah, I guess that's PR stuff, though, you know? I mean, I'm not saying he's right. like an overly negative guy or anything. I just don't put him on the same level as like a Pete Carroll or uh, some of those coaches that are like, Absurdly positive. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, may, like, maybe like I'm annoyingly old, positive. Maybe I'm being yeah. hyperbolic about the level of positivity. He but seems pretty grumpy a lot of the times, is what I'm saying. Yeah, so. yeah. That's he that's doesn't fair. always seem like oh, like wow, that guy's a good after him, and like hey, all everything's all sunshine and roses. That's fair. I guess I'm talking about assessments. Like if we were to read transcripts, not look at his right. demeanor. 
you know, he's in PR mode when he's doing that stuff, yeah. though, too. You yeah. know, like that's no, and that's but that's a hazard you have when you try to judge a a person's personality by how they act in a press conference. It's an incredibly unnatural environment. Yeah, it's just it's really really unnatural. Like Gary Kubiak, people used to act like Gary Kubiak was a big softy because he never got angry like Bill O'Brien in press conferences, and it was it was absurd. Because Gary has the capability of getting very, very agitated. Yeah. and I Mostly guess, at the offensive guys, though, so it's right, fun to watch. Right, right, yeah. right. And I guess that's my point. To back up what you're saying, like, he's a, Lovey's a smart guy. He's not delusional. I don't think he believes everything he's saying when he steps up to the microphone. Um, he, knows, he knows what this team is. Um, so if this job were to open, is it a good job? Is it a good coaching job? And just to go through, we kind of Ben Franklin this thing here. Take the good on one side and the bad on the other. The good electricity. The good he did, he did, and and he had a hell of a hairdo. Um, the good I know everybody I know, don't please don't text in. I know he didn't invent electricity. Please, please don't correct me on this. Okay? Don't worry. They're, Just stop it. Just they're too again, busy. If you're about to correct me on this, you're the, you're the worst. They're way Just too busy it. texting in draft takes that you okay, don't like. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um so um the good with this job is you got the likely top pick in the draft, if not top two. You have lots of picks. I mean, they've got, you and I were just going through it during the break. Two firsts, a second, two thirds, a fourth, a fifth, and four sixths. And that's yeah. before they start maneuvering around and start doing trades and things like that. Right, because somebody just said, somebody in the previous segment, one of our listeners had, had texted in and said, well, they have more holes than just the quarterback position. Here's the thing. A, one of those holes is the quarterback position. Uh, so you got to fill it at some point. And B... They have three more first-round picks between this year and next year. So, yes, there are multiple holes, but if you like Bryce Young and you've got the number one overall pick and he's there for the taking, it's not like you're doing it at the expense of bolstering other spots of your roster, not to mention a whole bunch of cap space over the next couple years. So I I don't think this notion that somehow – and by the way, I never buy into that notion, no matter how many draft picks you have. This thought that somehow your fragile, delicate flower of a Ben Roethlisberger would be ruined if he got drafted onto a bad football team is just cockamamie. Yeah. If the guy's good, he can withstand a year or two. He's Troy good. Aikman got his butt kicked for yeah. a year. Yeah. And that was back when they were really allowed to hit quarterbacks. So screw that, all right? If you like the quarterback, you take the quarterback. Yeah, more, but, more. but even if so, they still have extra picks on top of that. Yeah, yeah. more recently, Trevor Lawrence seems to be progressing just fine. And he was, yeah, on, and yeah. he was the quarterback for a team that wound up picking number one the next season. And, and, and he that, was playing for an abusive groper. Yeah, that's right. That's but right. But to Urban Meyer's credit, he wasn't abusing, abusing the people he was groping. Mm-mm. He was abusing kickers, but yeah. then groping female associates. Right, 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 right. He was doing, she was all into the groping. You she, know, that she, wasn't like, a, she I don't want anybody to paint Urban Meyer as some kind of a monster. Right, right. He was, he's a stand-up groper. Okay, so the Texans, lots of picks. As you point out, lots of cap space. Some young talent. You know, we'll see how this whole thing gels in the offseason. Um, Jack Easterby is gone, which I think is a positive for a lot of people looking at this job. It is yeah, what it is. Yeah, because here's an oddity. There was yeah. just so many people that were like, like, what the hell is this guy? Yeah. Who is this? What's going on here? It, it, at the very least, it's one less question you get from good head coaching candidates. There, I wonder, what do you think Bill O'Brien says? Oh, uh, sorry. We real quick. Yeah, yeah, real quick. They, they, so, and, and then, we don't have to be quick. I'll just shut up. Okay. So then, And they're in a division that is not very good. Trevor Lawrence notwithstanding, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a winnable division right now. The, yeah. bad, the bad is... The fan base is severely damaged, and you still might be a couple of years away. But if you get the quarterback right, who knows? I guess if this is a good job, right, Seth, if it opens up? 
Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, on paper, it's a very, very good job. You've got, like we just said, you've got four first-round picks in these next two drafts. That's a really good situation to be in. It depends on just what these coaches might think of the quarterbacks in these drafts. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why, again, I don't want to wait until, God, March or whenever the hell the last coaching hire was made. I'd like the new coach, if there is one, to get in here right quick and start working with Nick Casario, I'm assuming, and whoever the next quarterback might be drafted. So you've got that. Um, the big question just always comes down to, all right, how do I feel about the owner? And I think on the outside, people are saying, well, look at, look at what's going on. They just hired two coaches in two years. What coach would want to go there and be fired? Well, A, most coaches don't think – most coaches look at it and say, well, I'm better than David Culley, and I'm going to be better than Lovey. I know for sure I'm better than David Culley, and I'm going to be better than Lovey Smith because either he's a dinosaur or he's a defensive-minded coach, whatever. These guys are confident. And so I don't think they're worried about that. And they're going to wonder, okay, well, is this owner willing to spend – and much more so than his father, Cal McNair, has spent a lot of money. He spent a lot of it errantly, um, but he's shown a real willingness to invest, not just not just in on, on the player side, because they haven't been that aggressive long-term free agent mode yet, but Cal McNair has spent a lot of money on the program in a way that coaches get frustrated when owners won't spend. Like, coaches will get really frustrated when they've got a payroll of $200 million, but the owner doesn't want to spend, like, an extra million dollars to get, you know, an extra strength and conditioning coach and a dietitian and maybe some other resources that can really help these guys perform better. And, and believe it or not, I mean, there are, some co- there are some owners out there who are stingy as hell when it comes to that stuff. Cal McNair has spent very freely and liberally on that stuff. So that's something that appeals to coaches. Yep. So I'm with you. I think it's a good job. Now, the only jobs that matter in the NFL in terms of for the Texans, if they were to move on from Lovey Smith and hire another head coach are the other openings because those are the ones they're competing with. So there's, there's three right now. We know there'll be more because there always are. There's a few surprises. The three that are open right now that we know of are Carolina, Indianapolis, and Denver. So let's attack each of these one at a time. Is the yep. Houston job better than the Carolina job? Carolina yes. job, you got you got lots of defensive pieces yeah, there. You've yeah. got a quarterback issue. The bad division is what's most appealing, I think, but the Texans are in a little bit of that same situation right now. They are. There's no Trevor Lawrence in the NFC South, though. Tom Brady's going to leave at some point. Yeah. I think so. Carolina's probably – well, okay, when it comes to Dave Tepper versus Cal McNair – I wonder if with Dave Tepper, is there a perception that Dave Tepper is so cutthroat that, and perhaps impatient? I mean, Dave, Dave Tepper is, Dave Tepper will give you a night. Well, okay, this is a big question. Is Dave Tepper going to pony up like a, a seven-year contract like he did for Matt Rule? Right. Um, and just outspend everybody, which is Dave Tepper. That's one, uh, the old boys club seems to be a little bit of like, oh, Muffy, I'm not so sure about this Dave Tepper character is spending a lot of money. Um, I think that that's probably going to be the biggest indi- – I, I think that might be the the tiebreaker between Carolina and, the, and Houston. I do too, and it might be a personal preference with whoever the candidate is because I don't know yeah. that one style of owner is better or worse than the other. I think Cal is a delegator who's going to yeah. let his people do things. I think they both spend. I think Tepper is very hands-on. If you're cool with that, then that might be a better job, Carolina. Well, but the other big thing is the draft. 
And yes. the the Texans, like we've talked about, the Texans have four first round picks yep. in the next two years. So right now the the Panthers have a like just a plain old pretty boring draft. They've got two second rounders okay. um, in a first round. Remember, this is one of the discussion points that we were having over who might trade for uh, who, over who might be able to trade for Deshaun Watson was just how many extra picks they have. Yep. So the Panthers have uh, and just one first rounder next year. So that's a huge. The draft hall is very, very big for a coach that wants uh, to make a team in his image and have salary control for the next few years. The Texans are going to have potentially six first-round picks on the roster all on their rookie contracts at one time yep. by next year. That's a lot of first-round guys on their first contract. Got to get them right, obviously, but yes, no doubt about that. Uh, Indianapolis, is, this a, is the Houston job a better job than the Indianapolis job? Uh, yes, it is, because I think that some of this comes down to whether they like Ballard or Casario as a GM. And remember, uh, as it is with Ballard, a lot of these coaches will have had maybe perhaps some kind of experience with Nick Casario, uh, or at least they know people who know people who do, because they're they're guys who have been in positions of leadership or management for a long, long time. Casario has done deals with probably every team in the league, and they'll be able to get, I think, pretty good feedback on both those guys, and it might just come down to, like, what is their worldview. So that's a personal preference. I think Ursay is a guy I would not want to work for right now. Yes. Ursay is just erratic. Like, he just – I if I'm looking at the Twitter feeds of Cal McNair or Jim Ursay, I think I want to party with Jim Ursay and work for Cal McNair. Yeah. That's uh, that's my personal choice. No offense, Cal. I'd like Cal's a very nice guy, but if I want a party party, I want to go out with Jim Irsay because I feel like a we'll get into trouble, some trouble, yeah. and b Jim Irsay's got cops on the payroll. Yes, probably, yes, is what no. I'm guessing. With with Cal I'm not saying that, but I'm guessing with, yeah. with right guessing, totally guessing. Yeah. Um, with Cal, you'll have a good time, but you'll be home at a reasonable hour. Probably yeah. be able to get your workout in in the morning, and 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 sometimes that feels good. Yeah, sometimes right. you do need to cut loose with a suitcase full of cash and drive around town. You know, sometimes that needs to happen. Yeah. I feel like Cal might still – Cal Cal also is like – he's in charge of the family business, which means that you can't just, you know, spend and do recklessly and wantonly without having to answer to anybody. Right. Whereas Jim Ursay is just the – he is the honcho. He answers to himself. And there's nobody to answer to or, or anything else, yeah. He so. answers to himself and literally probably has conversations with himself. Well, who do you answer to? You answer to me, buddy. No way. No, you You answer to me. Okay. Okay. Um, You know what he should do? He should have to answer to Janice McNair. He should should get his life on track and and be like, okay. Ask ask Mrs. McNair to... to kind of like scold him for every now and then. Janice doesn't Call him up that. like, Jim, what is this I heard she, about you singing on the toilet of your private yeah, jet? Nobody needs that. Uh, all right, um, last one. So so Texans, we feel better Texans than... Texans over Colts. Texans over Colts. Did we say but, Texans over Carolina, the draft capital being the tiebreaker? Draft capital, one? yes. Yes. Uh, but money, uh, Dave Tepper just seems like... He's kind of like... Uh, He's kind of like Scott Cohen from the Jets. He's uh, he's willing to spend above and beyond with the Scott? oh no. Steve, Steve Cohen Steve, with Steve, the Steve with Cohen. the Mets yep. with the Mets, not the Jets. What did I say? The Jets. Yeah, Sean, that's it's one word. Stop being such a stickler. It's one borough. It's over, one word. Or one it. letter. It's one, one letter. One letter and one borough. That's all. They're both it is. consonants. Yeah. 
<laughs> I Denver. Get a rest. God. Denver. I know. I'm a, I'm a nitpicker. Mr. Well, actually. <laughs> Denver. Is, are the Texans? Oh, Tex- God, no. <laughs> Not better than the Texans' job. Not no. Even, yeah. No, you got Russell I wouldn't Wilson. touch. I wouldn't touch them with a stick that was touching another stick that I was holding to that touch That was it. touching Russell Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. Um. That's, that's like you walk by Denver, you walk within a mile of that place, and you've got gonorrhea. It's that. It's that toxic, right? It's just it's airborne it's microbes leaping out of the place. Yep, it's yeah. air, gonorrhea is airborne in Denver. Yes. Yeah. No. Um, that's a no bad job. Hell. That's a bad job right now. I think hey, buddy, I really like you as a coach. How about you come here? And um, here's the thing: you won't have any draft picks, <laughs> and you'll have twenty percent less cap space than everybody else for the next five years. Right. Can you handle that challenge? Are you man enough? Well, Are you and, man and, enough and, to come in and handle this? And my follow-up question would be, well, that's fine. Who's our quarterback? The quarterback is the reason why you're operating with so much less cap space, and he sucks. He's a pitch man for a sub shop. He's, yeah. he's Danny DeVito is what he is. <laughs> like, who's, who's better at this stage of their career? Danny DeVito and, uh, who's pitching yeah. subs on television, right. or Russell Wilson, who's right. pitching subs on television. <laughs> okay, Danny well, DeVito by far. Danny He's DeVito. way better. Way better at his job. And, and the coach would be like, okay, well, that's fine, but um, are there any other issues with this quarterback? Yes, he's the same height as Danny DeVito as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Denver. Um, other possible openings. Real quick, just to pay off the one that I teased very quickly. Uh, there was Twitter smoke yesterday from uh, Armando Salguero of OutKick, who used to cover the Dolphins. Oh, yeah. That that um, Stephen Ross, the owner of Miami, might clean house if they lose this Sunday. If they don't make the playoffs, they were oh, eight. Yeah. And, they were eight and three a month ago, and now they're about to be eight and nine. And supposedly, yeah. Seth, everybody's job is at risk. Everybody. More look, the Texans. The Texans have had a bunch of issues. Obviously, we've been the poster child for it. But it's been kind of a steady drumbeat of weirdness and negativity. The Dolphins have been so bipolar. Over, I mean, they've gone, they've gone from well, almost getting Tom Brady to oh, not getting Tom Brady and actually uh, involved in a big uh, and uh, very publicly notable lawsuit about all of that um, to trying to trade for Deshaun Watson right in front of our first round draft pick. Yep. Who, by the way, we tanked to get a couple years back, but yep. then he turned out to be a disappointment. But then that guy. That that first round draft pick after you whiff on Deshaun Watson comes and starts playing incredibly, uh, but it turns out he doesn't know how to take a hit. No, nope. and also he uh, he might actually he we're not even alive. Is, do we even know if Tua Tungavailoa is alive at this at this present moment? I don't think so. No, just, his concussion has been a landmark concussion for the league to investigate the last two and, weeks. Not to mention Mike McDaniel. Goes from whiz kid to oh my gosh, you scoundrel! You tried to send a quarterback out to his death to back to being a whiz kid to then all of a sudden like oh wow, your offense actually isn't all that good at all. Oh my god, and you're a scoundrel again yep. because of the whole concussion thing. Yep, my god. Yeah, now he might get Ooh. fired. We'll see. Hey, it was, it's a roller I'm tired than I watched JJ's hundred sacks you're on YouTube. T- you're exhausted laying oh, out the McDaniel. It's a lot of work. All right, um, Payne and Pendergast with you on a Thursday. Um, my dream mock draft scenario might be might be playing out. Does it become reality when April rolls around? That is next.
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. All right, so the mock drafts are flying fast and furious. I get a little scared than the mock, the mock drafts that are coming out a week before the season is over that have the Texans picking Bryce Young, and they've all got the Texans picking Bryce Young with the number one overall pick. The, the karma makes me nervous, Seth, that there's all these mock drafts popping up now and the season's not over yet, and they're all cementing the Texans into the first pick because that's where yeah. they are right now. I yeah. feel like they're jinxing us here. They're hoping these mock draft mavens too. They they know that nothing drives clicks like change, and so yeah. they're hoping they're hoping the Texans fall because then all of a Flipping sudden, around. boom, new yep. mock draft, new mock, mock two dotto, yep, new new thing that's not going to happen. Whatever would they predict? So the uh, the the interesting thing right now is that <clears throat> like there there is moving about, scuttling about on perception of who teams like and don't like. Between now and the draft, obviously, and especially because a lot of times, you know, the coaches don't really get involved in the scouting process until, well, in the Texans case, it could be in January, but, you know, not for another couple of weeks, if you know who the coach is, and um, playoff teams, obviously, after that, so you don't really, I, I think sometimes guys rising or falling up the draft board is complete BS, but sometimes it is true because it might just be that a couple of head coaches like this one guy, and they've got high draft picks. So, yeah, that, that guy's got a really good chance of going a lot higher. Uh, so it's, uh, it's obviously an imprecise science, but it'll change between now and then. Jordan Reed is one of the draft experts on ESPN.com. He just did his first mock draft yesterday. Do we have the sounder, Ben? All right, um, let's, uh, let's, let's hit the first pick. With the first pick in Jordan Reed's mock draft 1.0, the Houston Texans select. Bryce Young, quarterback, Alabama. Here's the reasoning. Tell me if this holds water. 
The Davis Mills experiment has run its course, and it's time for general manager Nick Casario to find the face of this franchise. Young, the 2021 Heisman Trophy winner, has outstanding poise and accuracy and would give the Texans an immediate impact quarterback with the potential to change the trajectory of the team. He was excellent against Kansas State in the Sugar Bowl, throwing five touchdown passes and completing 71% of his throws. Casario is still trying to collect talent following last offseason's trade of Deshaun Watson. Houston does have another first-round pick. We'll get to that in a second. It'd be smart to immediately get Young some help on offense. Right. And and that's where, again, I can't reiterate this enough. If you're somebody who's thinking, well, the Texans have so many issues and needs, you can't just – it would be a waste to bring a quarterback in when you're in this situation. The Texans have four first-round picks in the next two years. They, they also have two young guys on the roster who you don't feel awesome about, but they do have high upside in Kenyon Green and Derek Stingley who are on their rookie contracts. So they, they will be a more talented, physically talented team over the next couple of years. You, gotta, you can't strike out. You can't whiff on those other picks. But the same way you can't whiff on your quarterback, and that's just that's life. There's just as much chance that you're going to whiff on an offensive lineman as you're going to whiff on a quarterback. So I don't allow – any fear of a quarterback not having support around them uh, be a reason for not taking a quarterback. Yep. They've got so many picks. They've got draft space. And not to mention, like Sean, you pointed out, Trevor Lawrence was on a team that was worse than the Texans last year. Lost to the Texans twice. Urban Meyer was a disgrace as a coach. They end up with an interim coach. It was a mess. And Trevor Lawrence seems to have progressed just yeah, fine. Yeah. So, yeah, and like the turnaround is never, ever, ever as drastic as – it feels in the NFL. Right. It really isn't. Because even the teams that are bad from year to year to year in the NFL, it's not because it's the same guys out there being bad. It's just they continue to make bad decisions. As soon as they start making correct decisions, like the Buffalo Bills, like the 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 Detroit Lions, like any of these teams, like they can flip it around pretty quickly. The Bills didn't the Bills weren't in the playoffs for seventeen years. Seventeen years. Do you think that at any point along the way, drafting a really good quarterback might not have helped them out of that? Right. Like, oh, no, J.P. Lossman. you got to draft J.P. Lossman. Listen, we're not going to be good for 16 more years, so here's what I suggest. Draft J.P. Lossman. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. Ted Johnson yeah. used to say J.P. Lossman was literally the worst quarterback he ever played against. I love that you bring that up. He had a good hard count. He, did he really? Yeah, I jumped off sets twice in one quarter against <laughs> he him. He duped Seth Payne. Um, Bad. It's embarrassing. Because the first thing they say is, like, you're the nose guard. You're right there. I'm like, yeah, thanks, dumbass. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's exactly what the – you know, psychologically, is, I never thought about uh, waiting to move until the ball moved. I appreciate that. Is thanks. that what the Russian concierge in your building said to you the day after that game? No, but it's what <laughs> – TV commentators say every time uh, I see a nose tackle jump offside, so I assume that's what they said. You got home from too. the Buffalo game, and, and old Khrushchev at the front desk there is like, Seth, you jumped off sides twice. <laughs> <laughs> you suck. <laughs> I thought the center had a, a little twitch that I had picked up on film. If you, I was wrong. If you have yeah. no idea what it is I'm talking about, then use the Rewind feature or download the Odyssey app and download our podcast, like thousands every day. Um the 12th pick is, is where it gets interesting to me for the Texans. This, this is my dream scenario. Uh, with the 12th pick in the Jordan Reed 1.0 ESPN mock draft, the Houston Texans select Quentin Johnston, wide receiver, TCU. Here's the reasoning. 
Houston has to continue to collect talent at key positions. It's got the flexibility to take a true best player available approach with this pick after landing Bryce Young. I see the Texans adding a big pass catcher for him before day one is over, pairing the six foot four Johnston with Cooks, Mechie, and Nico Collins would give them a much improved receiver room. Johnston's catch radius, big playability, yada yada. He's a great player. If you if you didn't see him in that Michigan game, man, he is big, he's strong, he's fast, he is really, really good. If you're yeah. looking for a player to watch in the national championship game on Monday against Georgia, Quentin Johnston will be going against the best defense in college football right now. So a receiving core of Quentin Johnson, uh, Nico Collins, who never gets injured in this version of my reality. <laughs> right. right. Um, John Mechie, who like we're all crossing our fingers and hoping, obviously, that his cancer treatment uh, continues to go well. But I do feel it's it's weird that I, I've seen him mentioned a few times as like, oh yeah, John Mechie, like he's just on IR or something. I don't um, like I don't I, you know it's weird. I feel, I feel I feel weird about that. I feel like it's a little out of place to just assume like. Uh, it almost puts him in a position where it seems like he's like he's a disappointment if he doesn't come back from cancer. Right, right. Out. We're minimizing so, we're minimizing cancer in some way. Right, yeah. yeah. So John Mechie, hopefully. That'd be awesome. It'd be an awesome story if he comes back, obviously. Um, and good for the football team. Yep. And oh it says well this guy says Brandon Cooks too. This guy says Brandon Cooks. I, I do uh, think there's a chance Cooks is back with the team next year. It's that's gonna be a, yes. it's gonna be a tough contract to move. I, I think it depends on who they hire as a coach. Yep. And who they who they plan on drafting in the first round? I think if a new if a new coach comes in and and Brandon Cooks likes him and this coach likes Brandon Cooks, then yeah, there's a there's a really good chance. Just like I said with Laramie Tunsil or any of those other guys, that just you can't judge a guy. Human beings act differently in different environments, and every time you switch a coach or a GM or anything like that, the environment changes. And sometimes guys who were previously locker room cancers end up being awesome dudes, and vice versa. Um, if just by way of uh, kind of painting a picture here, Sean, if that were to happen, if the Texans were to draft Bryce Young number one overall and Quentin Johnston number twelve overall mm-hmm. in this mock draft, that means the Texans will not have drafted quarterbacks Anthony Richardson who goes to the Panthers at number nine, mm-hmm. uh, or quarterback Will Levis, who goes to the Raiders at number seven, Yep. or C.J. Stroud, who goes to the – in this draft, C.J. Stroud drops to the Colts at number five. Yeah. Dude, hmm. the, I'll tell you what. The, um, the AFC South gets kind of fun if this were the mock draft that ended up being reality because you'd have Trevor yeah. Lawrence, Bryce Young, and C.J. Stroud in the same division. Um. Look, Stroud and Young might fail. I think Lawrence is going to be good. Um, they might fail, but for 2023, that becomes kind of kind of a saucy division. Because I think Young and Stroud are both day one starters for the teams that draft yeah. them. So that'd be fun, actually. Um, yeah. So I, what I guess about like uh, just like to Sean Watson. Sean Watson wasn't a day one starter. It wasn't until Tom Savage got sacked 73. He was times. a day one and a half starter. <laughs> I still like the Jalen Ramsey quote after that game. <laughs> come on, come on, but come on. But <laughs> so and then good. Tom Savage's agent getting all disgruntled later in the year for for his client being treated That's disrespectfully. Funny. That is funny. Um, this is my dream, my dream scenario: Quentin Johnston with the with the Cleveland pick, and Bryce Young with the uh, with the first pick. So. Um, we will be, uh, and that's, and I'm looking at that consensus mock draft website, and that is the consensus among the experts right now is Bryce Young at one and Quentin Johnson at twelve. So we'll see. Um, we also need to root for the 
Pittsburgh Steelers this weekend because they're playing the Cleveland Browns. So, so we do our draft-related rooting stuff. We, we this weekend, oh, yeah. folks, we're rooting. We're rooting for the Bears against the Vikings. We're rooting for the Steelers against the Browns. And I'm going to let people do whatever they want with this Texans game. I'm not going to tell you what to do. We're in Houston. I think if you want the number one pick, you know what to do. You root for the Colts. And, that's, and you, the and, thing and you too, look yourself way, in the mirror. Yeah. When people um, – because a lot of people like either want the Texans to take a receiver or a pass rusher or whatever else with the number one overall pick. If you like Will Anderson, there, there's another one, the, the pass rusher. Um there's another one where you hope the Texans get a coach quickly and an off, a defensive coordinator quickly because, you know, Anderson's a 245-pound guy who's probably a 3-4 outside linebacker. I mean, there have been there have been defensive ends as skinny as him, and, and it works. It's just it's a little bit of a mismatch. So um, that's going to be a factor in that, that's whether, a, whether you've got a 3-4 guy or not. That's a, that, that is a really, really good point on, the, on potentially taking Anderson. All right, um, we'll do some headlines in the next segment. The update on Carlos Correa, if you missed it earlier, his contractual situation with the Mets, the speculation at least surrounding Carlos Correa's deal. We've got that for you as well. That is next. Stay there. You're listening to Payne and Pendergast. When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we are all realizing that the quality of our air, especially our indoor air, is really darn important. In 30 minutes, Puro Air will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at GetPuroAir.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at the coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Payne and Pendergast with you. Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic and of Fox on TV. He um, he was speculating about where things may go. Probably informed speculation if it's Rosenthal. He's pretty plugged in. But Carlos Correa is still sitting in limbo right now with the Mets. The Mets had similar concerns that the San Francisco Giants had about Carlos Correa's MRIs on his surgically repaired ankle. Surgically repaired nine years ago. Um, But similar concerns in light of the fact that we're talking about a 12-year deal. Here is Ken Rosenthal on the possibility of the Mets and Correa arriving at a reworked contract. We expect it to be a dramatically different deal. It's not going to be 12 years, 315 guaranteed. The question again is, to what extent does the language change? Does the deal change? And how is Carlos Correa going to be once he gets through all this? Will he be a happy Met? Will he be upset? Who knows? 
One thing I said earlier about the leverage. Yes, the Mets have all the leverage, but they also want a happy player. And you don't want to start off a relationship, especially a long-term relationship, with a player with a certain degree of contentiousness. You want that player to be comfortable with the deal he's gotten and not feel like he has gotten shafted in some respect. Clearly, if you're Correa and you're Boris, you're going to have to recognize that this is a concern that has arisen with two different clubs and it's going to need to be addressed. Does Steve Cohen go all the way with the hammer? I don't believe he will. It's interesting, Seth, because this, I mean, we were talking about, it's been over two weeks now since he agreed to this deal, since the two sides agreed to the term sheet for this deal. Obviously, they haven't agreed to a, a, a full-on contract yet. Um, it's, it's The interesting part to me about this, other than the outcome of whatever it's going to be, is that when the Giants walked away from that deal with Correa, Boris, Scott Boris, Correa's agent, was very cavalier about the injury and what the Giants had found. Almost as if the right. Giants were almost as if the Giants were were stupid for walking away from this deal. Like he's played nine years since that ankle. He's I he his team he played for last year offered him a ten year deal for two hundred and eighty five right. million. Of course right. prior to taking a physical for a ten year deal. Um the Mets bringing I mean Boris Boris has a little bit of egg on his face in this situation right now. It's um yeah, and 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 I wonder. I haven't seen anything about whether Correa himself or Boris may have known that his medical situation was anything to be worried about or alarmed about. Um, I mean, because sometimes we've talked about this before. Sometimes it's like a you've got a screw loose, literally. Like sometimes a screw comes detached or something. So like if they use a if they use a screw to to anchor in a ligament and over time the ligament heals and but sometimes every now and then the screw gets jostled out somehow the ligament's still fine but you got a loose body floating around in there if that were the situation i would assume cray would just go get the you know go get it fixed or repaired so i don't i don't know what's going on other than that we've got experience with this here in houston when the astros bailed on brady aiken because he had a janky ucl so i does Correa have a some janky body part after this surgery that's just a disaster waiting to happen, and he's been incredibly lucky up to this point? And if so, like, why was it only now discovered? What, what, is the, what is the difference in his medical condition in that surgery now compared to when the Astros, who gave him a physical every year, or the Twins, who presumably gave him a physical before, his, before he signed his last contract like what I, I don't know what what happened this year and, and is whatever it is did it show up I'm assuming it showed up on MRIs before but maybe the game changer here is just the length of the deal whatever it yeah. is you feel like okay this this shortens your shelf life as a baseball player whatever That's it true. is true and that that might be I mean did the did the Astros know about it yeah and did the twins know about it yep. and is that why it was a five-year deal and a three-year deal with a bunch of options for the twins five That's years right. with the Astros which which makes the Astros who who aren't going to give anybody a 10-year contract anyway it makes them look that much smarter that they were only going to do a shorter term deal if they knew about this potential medical obstacle That's a great point you know I Astro Thank fans you. no it is a great point because that you know Jackie Goss has a tweet here I'm about to read about that five-year deal but if if Jeremy Pena had failed this year, if Jeremy Pena yeah. was a failure this year and the Astros didn't win a World Series, then there there might be people saying that you should have the difference would have been Correa. 
And you're saying you better fire Click. You should. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and if that... Um, But but if Pena had been a failure and the Astros made a deep playoff run, but one of the reasons they lost is because every time Pena came up, you got a guy hitting 210, and if that had been a failure, people would be saying... And and Correa had the year he had in Minnesota. He's good this year in Minnesota. Right, been People would have been saying, man, you should have... Hashtag pay the man. You should have hashtag right. paid the man. But now now they'd be in a position of saying, oh, wow, wait a second. Maybe the Astros were actually pretty savvy on this. Yeah. I have personal experience with this, and it's uh, from Charlie Casserly. When Charlie Casserly drafted Mario Williams to great criticism because he didn't want to draft Reggie Bush or Vince Young, where ultimately it would be very apparent that Mario Williams was the correct choice in that situation. Uh, Castle never got credit in arrears or anything. It no. wasn't like all of a sudden people were people thought like, ah, oh, you know what? We should have taken it easy on Casterly. That's why I, I I try to always be very open and honest. Like if there's like something Rick like Rick Smith did a few really really good things with the Texans, and I always try to point that out, and people get pissed about it. So uh, <laughs> I was overall I was calling for Rick Smith to be gone for a long time, but it's not that you can't just ignore the good things that a guy did as well. Absolutely, um, Jackie Goss tweeted this to us earlier when we talked about Correa in the six o'clock hour, and I think there's some validity to it. That five-year, $160 million deal, the one Seth just referenced, five years, 160 that the Astros, <laughs> the insulting offer for Correa, might have been his best offer. They, they, they'd have been, uh, or he'd have been a free agent again in his early 30s after making $32 million per year over a five-year period. My contention during the postseason, when Carlos Correa was sitting at the desk on TBS or Fox or whichever, I think it was TBS that had him on, when he was sitting there during the postseason doing those studio shows, especially watching Pena thrive the way that he did, is that Carlos Correa probably had a little bit of remorse for not taking five years, $160 million, just because he's watching his former teammates, not just his former teammates, go out and win a world championship, but the guy who replaced him go out and get an ALCS MVP and a World Series MVP. Carlos Correa, yeah. the guy who's, let's face it, a lot of his resume is built on the big moments he accumulated in October – Jeremy Pena accumulated more big moments in one postseason maybe than Carlos Correa did over the course of multiple postseasons. Now, I get what Jackie's saying. Like My reason for why he might have buyer's remorse over over not signing with the Astros was just the celebration and the FOMO of watching his teammates, his former teammates out there. He Jackie may be right. Depending on what this final Mets deal look like, looks like, Five years, 160 from the Astros might have been the best offer when you consider per year getting back into free agency in your early 30s, staying with the team you grew up with. He may have, he yeah. may have whiffed on this thing. You know, it's interesting. If Elway, if John Elway had stuck with baseball, <laughs> and let's say it was 30 years later, the man didn't have an ACL. Like, what? John Elway played his entire career with no ACL. That's wild. And, uh, well, he had one ACL, but uh, one of his knees did not have an ACL right. after, after an injury. And that was back when, you know, they couldn't really do much for an ACL. It's like some guys managed to, you know, soldier on without it. Um, but Elway, it never really affected him. And he was an athletic quarterback. He was like, he could run. So, uh, yeah, what would Elway in like a modern context be? Would it, uh, there's no way he wouldn't get it repaired. But let's just say, let's say they discovered that, He'd been playing for three years with no ACL, and he'd been fine. Like, okay, you know, he tweaked his knee. It was misdiagnosed three years ago. Looks like, oh, wow. You know what? He's been all pro. 
he's got no ACL. What do we do? Do we give him a long-term contract? Right. And the funny thing about that, Seth, is we know how the story ends. The story ends with Elway walking away on his own terms at like the age of right. 38. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Winning, winning at an advanced stage, winning his two Super Bowls. That's right. That's so, right. I mean, it's it, – and obviously, like, like – John, like Correa's no John Elway. I know he probably feels otherwise because Elway's war <laughs> he is definitely. Feels Elway has no war. war. He's not actually a good defensive player or something. Elway, I could see Correa being like, he didn't even play defense. He didn't like. What is he doing? You're talking about this John Elway. He doesn't even play defense. <laughs> tell, tell me, what is his defensive war? <laughs> What's his defensive war? Zero. Yeah. Um, so I think that's what, but that's where Correa is. Is I think it. It might just come down to these teams like the Giants or the Mets feeling like, yeah, all right, we feel confident that he's playing healthy and that he very well might stay healthy, but we'd feel like idiots if this thing, like, I don't know, like like anybody else. John Elway, what percentage chances are that a guy with no ACL is going to be able to do the things yeah. he's going to do? Very, yeah. very small. You know, you can't just say, well, John Elway did it, so Correa is going to be fine for the next 12 years. That's right. All right, let's, um, let's get to some headlines. Payne and Pendergast with today's headlines brought to you by BaywayJeep.com. All right, the latest on DeMar Hamlin, Buffalo Bills safety, who is in a medical facility in Cincinnati, in an ICU in Cincinnati after his uh, cardiac arrest episode on Monday Night Football. I think everybody's up to speed on those parts of the story right now. The latest on him personally is that he's still in the ICU, still in critical condition. The news largely seems to be positive coming out of there, that things are trending in the right direction. Still a long way to go. Um, as far as the football side of that story, the Bills will be back at practice today for the first time since Monday. They had a walkthrough yesterday. Normally yesterday would have been a practice. The league as a whole seems to have eased back into things this week on the heels of the Hamlin episode on Monday. Yeah. The Texans had nobody in the building on Tuesday. The press conferences yesterday for Lovey Smith and the players, Davis Mills, there were zero questions asked about the Indianapolis Colts in any of those press conferences. They had Jimmy Morrissey as one of the players who spoke to the media yesterday because he was a college teammate of DeMar Hamlin. So the Hamlin story is still obviously it's going to be a story until there's, you know, until there's finality to it. Um but uh but the Bills are back practicing today. Mike Florio speculated on our system, not speculated, it sounds like Florio is, is plugged in on this bit of speculation. Um, Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, NBC, he was on our sister station up in Pittsburgh yesterday, and he said as far as the schedule goes, Seth, that Bills-Bengals game, if they're going to play it, and going through all the permutations, I did everything except including ties because I just got tired. This game is probably going to mean something, or if they were to play it, it would mean something for the standings, whether it's the Bills getting the one seed, the Bengals still have potential to get the one seed. The Bengals still might not win their division if they lose to the Ravens this week and then they play that game against the Bills. All these things, it's a meaningful game. One of the possibilities is that they go. They, the league plays Week 18 this week, plays it out, and then in what would have been the first week of the wild card, the first week of the playoffs, they play the NFC wildcard games and the Bills-Bengals game, and they give the AFC teams a bye. And then the following week, they give the NFC teams a bye, play the AFC wildcard round, and then they just push the – there's no more bye week before the Super Bowl. They just before the, Okay, yeah. yeah that's a, that, that bye week before the Super Bowl does – Gives you some leeway. More, yeah, because yeah, then you don't even have to – the Super Bowl is always – 
just the uh, like logistical nightmare that's so hard to rearrange anything at yeah. all. The the playoffs, I mean, those are those are planned ad hoc anyway. I was I was way too rigid in my thoughts about what the playoff schedule had to be. And Same. somebody pointed that out to me yesterday. Like Seth, they do the <laughs> Seth, you idiot. He didn't say it, but I could tell he meant it. Um, the you know like they. Every nobody knows where the next playoff game is going to be yep. until the week before. That's so, right. uh, yeah, there's no, there's, it's 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 not as difficult. Other than like, I guess the TV people are going to have some shuffling to do. But like, okay, you're going to have to you're going to take the Division Two gymnastics uh, finals off of that Saturday afternoon and have NFL football instead. Sorry. Yeah. 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 I guess the only wrinkle in all that, other than there, there being no bye week between the Super Bowl and the conference title games would be that the one seeds, unless it's the Bills or the Bengals, the one seeds in each of the conferences would have literally, they'd have two weeks off instead of one week off for the bye. Like it, rust. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's a big fear, rust. Right, right. Rest Everybody's for, terrified of rust, yeah. uh, rust with an extra bye week off. Like if the Eagles get the one seed, they're, under this scenario, they don't play for, they miss two weeks of games, therefore they'll go like 20 days in between in between games. I guess that's just, you know, it's a small wrinkle to pay here for what obviously there's a, a human side to this story with DeMar Hamlin. But anyways, that, if you're going to play, if you are if you are hell-bent on playing the Bills and Bengals game, that is the best solution. That That is a reasonable solution, I would say. Um, Seth, did you see who your Aggies are bringing in to run the offense next year? One uh, Robert Petrino. Yes, yes, yes. How you Man, feeling about that? Well established as an offensive mastermind, right? Who sometimes departs programs abruptly. True, but yet <laughs> when he's there, he's got a tendency. When he's at a big time program of yeah. some sort, he uh, has a tendency to do pretty well. He just had he had Arkansas on the right track. So he made some poor personnel and personal decisions. He did. And uh, I, I would say, hell yeah. I think Bobby Petrino has learned from his mistakes of the past. Mm. I think uh, parents will be fine sending their young men off to, oh, no, he's a human who made a mistake or two. So, uh, okay, yeah, great. Um, I, I think it's a very, very smart and good move by Jimbo Fisher to bring in a guy that's, uh, you know, he, he's a guy that, you know what, honestly, what I think what Jimbo Fisher needs is, He's, it's an offensive coordinator who's not just going to take orders and, you know, be a, be a figurehead while Jimbo actually runs the show. Like, no. Bobby Petrino's going to come in and run his offense. And I do also, like, Bobby Petrino has always been a guy that is not married to necessarily one scheme or anything like that. It's, it's get your horses the ball. And I know that from back I, – I was with him when I was in Jacksonville – um, he was a young offensive coordinator in Jacksonville, yep. and he was uh, you know, like at that point, you could tell he was a very bright guy. So I was just going to ask you about that. I'm looking at his career kind of profile. He was the QB coach in Jacksonville when you were there, 99 and 2000, and then in your last year in Jacksonville, he was the offensive coordinator. Yeah, he didn't do as well there. He didn't have an auspicious beginning that year. Who was the quarterback? Um, was it still Brunel in 2001? It was still Brunel, okay. yeah. Okay. At that point, I, I want to say it was in training camp that year, uh, like the in the preseason, the NFL or the the Texas, jeez, the Jaguars, the team that I was on. I want to say they did like they went like three weeks without even scoring a touchdown. Oh, jeez! And at one point, I got in a fight on the field with somebody with an offensive lineman, and uh, as as we were getting pushed off the field. Somebody said something. <laughs> Somebody said something, and I was like, "Well, why don't you bleep, 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 score a freaking touchdown before you start 
blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and Bobby Petrino afterwards was like, yeah, I appreciated that. So thanks a lot. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for yelling that so loud. He was like, yeah. I saw him in the hallway. And he was like, that was, that was pretty good. But yeah, thanks, man. Can I, uh, can I ask you a question? Don't take this the wrong way. Um, yeah. You said you got into a fight with an offensive lineman. Was it an offensive lineman from your team, or was it an opposing offensive lineman? No, from our team. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's we what used I to thought. Fight a lot. Yeah, Did Coughlin's you? teams would fight a lot until the year that the first round draft pick Marcus Stroud broke his hand in a fight, mm. and then like Coughlin put an end to all fighting after that. Um, and people were like, "Why would he? Boy, boy, why would the stupid football player punch a guy with a helmet?" Like, no, no, he broke his hand on uh, an offensive lineman's face, so uh, <laughs> it was. <laughs> he like, got his helmet off and he broke his hand on his face. Did Coughlin like some of that tension? Like, see, was he okay with it? I, I think he thought it was. Yeah, he's kind of like uh, you know, in Full Metal Jacket when Matthew Modine is saying that the Marines don't want robots. Yeah, there's a little bit of that. Like, I think he wanted guys like right on the edge all the time. Okay, and he came from the old school where he'd been, you know, he'd been coaching in the NFL since the '80s, where it was just it was different. They really right up through right around that time. Training camp fights were pretty common, and like actual, I mean, they always get broken up. But like, like when I've, like when we called it a fight back then, it was a fight. Like actually, like punches were thrown. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't like guys. Guys yelled at each other and pushed each yeah. other a few times. It was a rumble. Any of this sissy <laughs> jersey tugging and things like that. But it, yeah, with a football fight, it's always about. It's going to get broken up, yeah. so you want to get the guy's helmet off and get as many shots in on his face as you can before it gets broken up. You're listening to KLT and KLT HD2 and Odyssey Station. As far as Petrino goes, for those wondering, okay, where's Bobby Petrino been? I remember him coaching at Louisville a couple of years, a couple of years back for the second time, and then he kind of disappeared. He's been with Missouri State, an FCS program, for the last three years as the head coach. Didn't do much there. Um, he left Missouri State. I don't know if he was fired or not. But he left Missouri State this offseason. He had signed up to be the offensive coordinator at UNLV in December. He was there for two weeks. <laughs> he was he was all what happened. He left to take the Aggie job. He 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 was <laughs> so that's what when you were saying earlier, like known to leave jobs a little early. I'm like, yeah, yeah. like the most recent one he had. He's a flight risk. He wouldn't uh <laughs> he bail if he ever gets arrested for anything. Oh but, yeah, yeah no, um, uh, his uh, his bond might be pretty impressive. No yeah. bond, no bail. You can't give him bail. He is an, he's an absolute <laughs> flight risk. I wonder if all the things though. You know how the visual matters more more so than anything. Mm -hmm. If he just he never should have done that press conference in the neck brace. Yeah, with his face all road burned like that was just because he's got kind of a. Uh, uh, He's got a pretty ruddy complexion to begin with. He's a pale dude, yeah. you know. Um, and then he's got like the road burn on top of it and the neck brace. Right. It's just it's such a jarring image. It's kind of like Laramie Tunsil with a gas mask. It's a it's a jarring image that sticks with you. Do you do you want to relive some of the audio from that that press conference? <laughs> yes, of course you do. I do. All right, let me set this up real quick because it was ten. It was over ten years ago when Bobby Petrino was at Arkansas. He got into a motorcycle accident. He had first told everybody it was a one person. I was on the motorcycle myself. As it turns out, his passenger on the motorcycle was not his wife, who he was married to at the time. It was a it was an Arkansas volleyball player who was, I believe, an intern or an employee in the athletic department. 
That's where it got real sticky. Much she younger. Was a, she was an employee, and it was. Uh, I think. I think it was a little bit of a mismatch, wasn't it? Yeah. Like her, her job title and responsibilities. Yes. And and yeah. It, yeah. It appeared yeah. to be kind of a conjured up deal. Um. And oh, and uh, B, she was very attractive as well. So there was that. Um. Here was and Bobby Petrino at first lied. Was she his same age? Uh, <laughs> no. If you multiply by two. Uh. Yeah. yeah. So um. So here was Bobby Petrino at the press conference with the neck brace and his his gnarled, scratched-up red face from his motorcycle accident. I don't remember a lot about exactly what happened. I was noticing the uh, sun was going to be in my eyes the rest of the way home into the, to the ditch. When I came out of a ditch, there was a, a, a lady there that had flagged down a car. And so I got in the car, and they, they headed towards Fayetteville. You know, I will wear a helmet from now on. Was there, was there wind? Was there an issue that, that caused you to crash? Yeah, I, was, I, was not, I didn't feel like I was speeding. And then there was a gust of wind that came up. Whether that did it, I don't know. Were you given a blood alcohol test when you went to the... Uh, to the- I was given blood tests, but I absolutely had nothing to drink. I spent the day at the lake with my wife working. She works me hard when I'm up there. Oh, jeez. Oh, but the dude That's can a... call plays, man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he is a. I feel bad, man. Whenever anybody's spouse has to publicly explain, well, first that he's he's not explaining his infidelity there. No, he's uh, he's just flat out lying. But he's bringing his wife into it. Like, yeah, almost, his wife's like acting as a human shield a little bit there. Like, well, uh, maybe also finding out behind the scenes that. That he was with a volleyball player on the back of his motorcycle. I love how it was just some some random lady flagged a, flagged a car down to help him out. Was, she, who is this lady? I don't know. Some some broad. I don't know. It's never. Mm-hmm. She just appeared. That would have been great. That would have been great. If I was, that was his answer. She might have just been an apparition of some sort. I'd be like, God Almighty, uh, hit reach my head. down and uh, help me out here. Yeah. I hit my head. So um so that uh, Bobby Petrino. How do Aggie fans feel? Aggie fans, do you feel like you've sold your soul to the devil a little bit? I don't, yeah, I, I don't, um, I try not to, as an Aggie, as an honorary Aggie. Yeah. Like, I just, uh, people make mistakes and sometimes they screw up and it's very, very public. And, uh, you know, you can't, you can't, people, people lose their jobs and then they, you know, take a lesser job and then they work their way back up the ladder if they have skill and uh, and good old fashioned American want to, yeah. then uh, they they end up the offensive coordinator of the Aggies. They That's do. That's the American way, Sean. It's the American right? way. Um, I'm not going to sit here and have you disparage Bobby Petrino's ancestors who came over from Italy in, right. in search of the American dream. Right. And, and for you... To sit here and act like immigrants don't have every right to be uh, the offensive coordinator. Not what I'm saying. Of that egg. He's, he's xenophobic <laughs> monster. That's not what I'm saying at all. Uh, that's, that's your play it's caller. It's you Irish. I know. You always, I, you hate the we've Catholics. always had a problem with the Italians. Or, yeah. The Italians. Not you the ever Catholics, seen obviously. Far and Away where the Italian <laughs> and Tom Cruise got into a fist fight? Is right. that what happens in Far and Away? Have you ever I seen just Far saw and Away? Whole, I saw the part where like Tom Cruise is racing to try to stake his claim, stake like in the literal sense, yeah. not your stupid Jim Rome stake RBI. Where <laughs> I you like about that? Yeah. Where uh, they they ride off and it's like a race yeah. to stick a flag in your land claim. So Oklahoma, I saw that part. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Oklahoma land rush. You never seen that movie? The whole no, thing. It's just good. That part. It's good. No, he comes over as an Irish immigrant into Boston with no money, and the way he makes his money, I'm not spoiling it. 
the way he makes his money to begin with is in Boston in the late 1800s, they had those social clubs, part of the social clubs where dudes would they draw two lines on the floor with chalk. Two dudes, they'd take their shirts off, and they'd be standing yeah. there, and they would just have a bare-knuckled fist fight, and everybody in the social club would be betting on the, the, the fist fight. So you need to see That's how elections were decided back then. Back in the day, yeah. It was, what's it called, one-on-one combat? What's the... Uh, Hand-to-hand? <laughs> trial combat? by combat. Trial yeah. by combat. Oh, yeah, trial by combat. If there, yeah, was, a, if there was an election runoff. They, they didn't have a runoff. They just had trial by combat. I need to go back through our list of presidents and see who would have won elections via trial by combat. Back in the day, I don't know. Trump, Trump versus Hillary. Are you uh, <laughs> go back? I'm gonna go I back. I feel like Hillary would have to dance around a lot. Like yeah. Hillary would have to try to take it into the late rounds. Yeah, yeah. And, Wear like, him if out. It was gonna, if it was a slugfest, Trump's gonna win pretty early. But if she made him, if she made him try to, if, if Trump had to move any further from like, like the golf cart to his ball, uh, it would. Uh, yes. it, it, it would start to hurt later on. Turn yeah. it into a battle of cardio. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think Judge of the latest presidents, George W. And um, and Obama would probably be the fiercest contest. Yes, in terms of uh, you know endurance and athleticism and all that. They play sports, you know. they yeah. they, they play actual sports. Um, yeah, they're both fit too. Yeah, they're fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. like probably the fittest of the, the since I don't know if Jimmy Jimmy Carter wasn't fat or any. I don't know if Jimmy I don't know what Jimmy Carter did. I was a young man. Um, but uh, yeah, those are the only guys like since Carter and Ford because Ford had played football. Yeah, um, but he was an old man by then. Yeah, yeah, I would say George W. and Obama going at it in an athletic. They should have a decathlon for charity next time. There's a tsunami. Uh, they should relive what Clinton and Bush did, Bush Senior there, and uh, go raise money for the tsunami. But with with George W. and Obama, they could actually have like uh, some kind of a decathlon. Put them like, in a cage on pay per view in the octagon. Not a, not combat, oh. but like actual fun stuff. Like oh, they could play oh. a tennis. It would be like Battle of the Network Stars, but it would be Battle of the Former Presidents. I like that. I like that idea. Actual athletic things along with some bonus bar activities. Flip cup, shuffleboard. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you know W is winning that stuff. I know. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a homer. <laughs> I think both of Then if you go a little further down the road, let's be honest, I think both those guys have a little experience with the uh, – so you just uh, <laughs> fresh air what? is that what you meant? Yes, fresh yeah. open air. Fresh air. Uh, George W was a uh, George W was a mountain bike rider, and uh, <laughs> Obama was marathon a runner. Maybe in Hawaii. Yeah, exactly. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. 
Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.